Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. G'day and welcome to the Dom Harvey podcast. This episode sponsored by Radix. Coming up. Simone Meyer. Well, Richie, he would never give up. I think I did say to him once he was, he's quite clumsy. <laughs> I would express him as like, oh, he keeps falling over in, in the woods. And I was like, you just got rugby with trolls. You just bump into those trees to knock something over. <laughs> I don't know if he found it funny at the time, but I had to laugh. <laughs> Yeah, Simone Meyer. Most of you probably won't know the name, but boy, are you in for a treat. Simone is, plain and simply, a multi-sport savage. She's won the famous Coast to Coast event four times after moving to New Zealand from Germany at 20 years old, unable to speak any English. She was also a teammate in one of those God's Own events with Richie McCaw and was a contestant on the reality TV show Tracked with Vinnie Jones as the host. But what makes Simone's story special is the adversity. Before she came here and experienced the highest of highs in sport, she had to endure very low lows growing up, events which culminated in Simone spending a full year in rehab for an eating disorder and self-harm. Because of all the themes we discuss, this episode needs to come with a friendly warning and I'll include a list of resources and numbers available to call in New Zealand if you feel the need to talk to a professional. If you want to find this list of resources, uh, you will find that in the show notes. I genuinely loved getting to know Simone, and I know you guys will too. A lot of the listeners will be fans of Simone's already, maybe from the multi-sport community, but I reckon most listeners will be learning about this absolute weapon for the very first time, which is so cool. I don't want to uh, jinx it or anything, but at the time of this podcast going out, she is deep in training, trying to win an unprecedented fifth coast-to-coast in a couple of weeks. A few women have won it four times, but never an elusive fifth, so good luck, Simone. We wish you well. This episode was made entirely possible by the team at Radix. Radix sponsor Simone and took care of all her travel arrangements for this chat. We both gush about how much we love Radix products in this chat. Simone is one of the elite community who have known about Radix stuff for years. High performance sports people have been using their stuff for ages. It's only now that us regular people are learning about this incredible Kiwi creation from Hamilton. Protein powders, smoothie recovery powders, and the best freeze-dried meals in the world. If you want 2024 to be the year that you bring your health and fitness goals to life, Radix can help. Check them out, radixnutrition.co.nz, and Radix is spelled R-A-D-I-X. Elephant in the room, this is an ad, and Radix are paying me to say nice things about them, but I genuinely mean what I say. I was a fan before they sponsored the podcast, and I'll be a fan for life. Their products simply are the best, radixnutrition.co.nz. Okay, without further ado, here we are, Simone Mayer on the Dom Harvey podcast. Let's go. Uh, thanks for having Well, thanks. <laughs> Can we cut this? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, th- th- this is it. This is it. We're on. We're live. Um, this is um, Simone Mayer, four times Kathmandu Multisport World Champion. Mm. Uh, uh, you've done God's Own events. You've raced all around the world. You're an absolute, you're, 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 you're bossing it. You're a savage. 
and you're you're 43 years old, and this is part of what I find exciting about your story. It's like um, you just seem to keep getting better with age. Yeah, if you look at the piece of paper, yeah, Kim's. <laughs> it yeah. looks so, like so, that. So where, do you think, where do you think you are? If it's like a mountain peak, where do you think you are? Are you on the way up to the apex? Are you at the apex, or are you on the downward slide now? I think I'm maybe maybe just before the the apex. I still I I think I. That's how I feel. I I try and scrape the last little piece of things <laughs> to the top of the summit, like the Everest. You know, there's this, there's not much left, but I feel like. Um, I can hoover out a little bit more, and then I think I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah, this is what I love love about this um the sport that you're in, this endurance sport. It sort of um you know, favors persistence and patience and and time, you know. Um, so you do sort of get to middle age before you sort of reach your peak, which is really exciting. It's cool. Yeah, I don't know if I, I feel like oh, imagine if I would have done all these things ten years earlier, <laughs> where I could have been. <laughs> <laughs> Now I feel like, oh, I'm such a, not old, but if you look at the number, I'm, I'm 43 years young, I say it, <laughs> but it's quite, well, it is a bit old, but it's also, I guess, I don't know, it feels a bit odd, but I feel like the 40 is maybe the young, the new 30 now. <laughs> That's what yeah. they say, and I'm, I'm 50 now, so I'm, I'm like, 50 is the new yeah. 40. Yeah. Uh, whatever age you are, you wind it back yeah. 10 years, don't you? Um, but the, 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 um, the intriguing thing about you and why I thought you'd be an amazing podcast guest is um, if we use like the, the, the mountaintop analogy again, um, so your highs in life have been just crazy high, uh, and your lows, have your rock bottoms have, have been just so, so low as well. It's like a life of extremities, and it's amazing. So to, to to see where you are now from where you've come from, it's a remarkable story. And it's yeah. fantastic and it's wonderful to have you here today. Oh, thank you. So you, you moved to New Zealand to Wanaka in your 20s, mid-20s? 27 I was. Yeah. I just turned 27. And you couldn't speak English? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I would come with a few words and I remember people ask me, how are you doing? You know, as I said, they walk past you and I say hi, hello, greet them and they're like, how are you doing? And I start talking to them and they just walk past me and I was like you just ask me how I'm doing <laughs> you want to hear actually you know what I'm doing so that was one thing or I would go um to the to the checkout and they again how I'm doing and I tell them how old I am oh, I'm 27 how are you doing <laughs> you know like totally misunderstood what they asking me to do yeah they must be like the most you know when, when you're a kid it's easy to learn learn new things and pick things up just easily and it doesn't feel like learning but when you're an adult like and you're, you're 27 years old um I can't imagine it's easy going to a new country and learning a brand new language it's got to be fucking difficult yeah, it was. I guess it was my 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 initiative thought or why I came over here. I was I was twenty six, and I hit the I hit a point where I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of this not speaking a second language, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I had English at school, like from year, I don't know, one, two, three, four, fifth fifth class. You have your you have English for the entire life, you mm-hmm. till you finish school, and I just struggled so much at school and I guess maybe because we brought up with only one language at home we never went on a holiday where we would speak a second language so I guess no one felt the need to you know and even at school I it just wasn't my major focus I was more the, the sporty arty girl and I guess also with my grandma I probably had severe highly dyslexia <laughs> because I still struggle struggle with the grammar or reading or putting it all into the right how do you say language and grammar um, anyway and then by just traveling with your mates to 
you know, when you get older in your teenager life and you go to Italy or wherever, Spain, and they're all chatting away and I'm the only one that just sits there and kind of feels dumb and like, I don't know. You know, you feel a bit mm. kind of not useless, but embarrassed, but also like, that's where I realized, oh my God, I should have done what the teacher told me. <laughs> you need to go home and do it. <laughs> you learn your vocabularies and what did I do? I mean, I did my homeworks, but I probably went home, did my homeworks, and then I was out and about just training and, you know, enjoying mm. sports. That was my purpose. Oh, oh, so you legit only spoke German, no other yeah. languages. Oh, yeah. Most people, you, I don't know, I'm probably generalizing here, but most people I've met in Europe seem to speak uh, like one core language and then yeah. like a you know bits and pieces yeah. of other languages whereas here in New Zealand everyone speaks English and that's for the yeah. most part it yeah you might get some people that know like a little bit of Maori or maybe a little bit of French from school mm. but most people only have one language here so, yeah. so you were the same yeah yeah pretty much yeah um and in, in Germany it's actually compulsory you have to learn English but I I just really struggled I just didn't yeah and then anyway then I got 26 um and I said right that's it I'm gonna do it myself. I'm going to jump into the deep end. I don't want any friends and family. I broke up with my boyfriend at the time. It's like, I'm going to go by myself. It's like, oh, we can have a distant thing. It's like, no, I don't want a distant thing. <laughs> I just have to do this. And I don't know because I didn't want someone being back in Germany waiting for me. You know, a year or even six months, it's such a long time. 100% we're going to grow in different directions. I don't want any attachment and I don't want him to be attached if someone pops around. You know what I mean? Mm. So anyway, so I literally, I packed up everything i also had this feeling inside that i just need to leave and i probably had another purpose which we might touch on later yeah we'll, we'll, <laughs> but, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to, back to that yeah. i thought that we'll focus on the um yeah just your outstanding athletic achievements here in new zealand oh, because you're, you've got you're, one to say what's that? <laughs> i won the adventure race world championships last year with um, team avaya Oh, we, we, listen, we can we can get into all that, but I think we need to like break it down so that oh, people yeah. have got an understanding of what these what these yeah. events are and yeah. what they entail. There's there's a lot to it, but the um the bottom line is you're a, you're a savage, a savage, right? You're an, you're a, an absolute beast, like a weapon out there. Hey, like what you've done is just unthinkable, really. Oh, I guess it keeps me occupied. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, first of all, before we get into it, I noticed you're wearing a Radix um, t-shirt. I'm, um, I'm a Radix um, fan as well. They've been sponsoring this podcast uh, mm. for the best part of a year now. Yeah. Um, how, how did that association come about? Radix Audio, my, I'm proudly sponsored by Radix too, mm. which is great. That came about, I guess, I was racing in China with my teammate Sam Clark at the time in 2018, I think, and he was sponsored by Radix and he bring, bring, he brought all the meals over for the team and it was incredible because usually China is always I mean I love China but the food you just have to be a bit more careful and yeah so anyway we had these Radix meals and it was just mind blowing how we didn't get sick which is a, a major bonus not to get sick and have no sick teammates we also while we were racing because they're quite extreme situations, like it's like a stage race where you go for four or five days sometimes. You sleep in between, but, you know, the nutrition is a key element mm. of recovery, as you probably know as a runner, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and your overall well-being. And what we all found, that we recovered much better, and we also didn't come back with such a craving. You know, usually you feel like you've been through the mints, but it just 
balance does really well, you know, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, by the way, thank you for bringing up that I'm a runner. Uh, it's, it's, worth, it's worth pointing out that the longest I've done is like a 50K run. I'm generally marathons. But um, one thing which um, I've found particularly amazing with Radix is yeah. – um, yeah, there's a book I've been reading, a, a Navy SEAL book called Extreme Ownership, and it's about just owning absolutely every possible scenario and taking it on yourself. Yeah. And where that fits into Radix with me is, um, uh, for example, recently I went to Sydney for the, the marathon in September. Mm-hmm. And when you're staying in a hotel, you don't know what you're going to You don't know if you're going to have access to a toaster or a microwave for your porridge or yes. whatever. So if I take the Radix breakfast with me, yeah. um, I know that as long as there's a tap with yes. running water, I'm going to better fuel myself um, in a way that my body's become accustomed to for the event ahead of me, um, not leaving anything to chance. And it's just so convenient and so bloody good. It is it's basically exactly the same when we go to China. You just never know, and especially, or even with the water, you don't even know what water you're going to get. So, But if you get a bottled water and you put it in the um, jug to boil it, then you're pretty safe. And that's even, I rolled it with this still, like last night on my way up to Christchurch, I, I had two Radix meals. <laughs> I just made them on the side of the road because I was starving. I was running late and I was like, I just don't have time. And I, it's just good because I know what I get. It's pretty good tr- nutrition, it ticks all the boxes, it's really healthy, there's no additives, no fillings, no sugar, like no crap in it. It's really good ingredients. Mm-hmm. Like, anyway, sorry, I don't want to rant on it, but they <laughs> Oh, no, no, no it's, 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 it's really good. It's like, I, I tell people about it, and they're like, yeah, well, you're, you're sponsored, but it's like, no, even if I wasn't yeah, sponsored, yeah, I'd still yeah. be talking about this shit. Um, like the, the, you yeah. rip the bag open yeah. and it turns into a bowl. Even if you don't have a spoon, you can. Yes. <laughs> if, if there's enough water yeah. in there, you can drink it. And what I guess, like the most, it, 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 it's, it makes, um, it adds up my values, what I stand for and what I believe in. Like, I feel like there's a good match. Like, we have a similar probably the same vision and you know like the whole overall picture like we want to be healthy we want to eat healthy we want to look after our well-being and we want to make it affordable so these meals they are actually affordable so much rather than i don't want to brag about mcdonald's but you know like <laughs> you go in the supermarket and, um it's well invested yeah so anyway it's for everybody not just athletes <laughs> that's what i want to say <laughs> oh no 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 it's, it's great and yeah have you had a lot to do with the team like the team there are incredible and when you when you meet the team and you get on the same page as them and you see what their goals and objectives are it's yeah. like yeah this is a this is a brand i can get behind oh yeah they're just always forward thinking or evolving mm. and that's i guess reflects me as well i want to evolve i want to learn i want to grow i want to do the best i can how can we make this happen you know i don't mm. want to be just stuck oh okay we i've done this now and no there's so much more and i guess you see that with their packaging now you know it's less waste they make it more recyclable recyclable and probably in the near future it will be compostable. i don't know but you know and i like that too like we need to look at our play uh out for our planet and you know the future Compostable packaging. It's like you're coming with a plan for the company. <laughs> they are pretty amazing. Yeah, they are. they are. Okay, so let's talk about your athletic achievements. First of all, what what is um what's the God Zone event? Is that the one that Richie McCaw does? Oh my God! Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Richie McCaw did God's. I raced with Richie McCaw in two thousand, yeah. I think twenty one. You kicked his ass. No, he was in my, he was my team. Oh, he's in your team. He was in my team, and we came second with Richie. Second of all, right. So, what is it? What, 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 what is God's zone? Because I'm guessing there's a lot of people oh, watching this so, or listening to this. Yes, yeah, sorry. So, I guess there's a bit of different definition or different difference between adventure racing and multi sport. I guess what they have in common, they're all in nature, outdoors, in the mountains. You know, yeah. But an adventure race is basically uh, a race where you go from A to B or A to Z, 
and you get a given a map with control points and you have a navigator and you go all day all night and no one tells you what to do you know well you got given the the length like you have like a 20k cycle length or even a 122k run <laughs> slash hike <laughs> and kayaking so it's all in nature and you have all sorts of elements with abseiling climbing so you kind of have to be sort of an all-round all-rounder sort of but you don't have to how do you say like you definitely need a navigator because you have to navigate and it's really old school there's no gps there's no technical um, devices allowed and with your team of four so it's always a team of four and the rules is usually three guys and a girl and you i guess try and be the make your way as quick as possible from a to the finish line <laughs> collecting these controls and yeah yeah it's <laughs> amazing yeah. so, so you don't really sleep much so it's probably um like i can understand uh, not understand but i feel a bit like must be like when you have a baby you know the first few weeks or months or years <laughs> they talk about sleep deprivation <laughs> the moms <laughs> um probably similar to that Extended. Yeah, the, the only difference is, yeah, God's only played only with cracked nipples, maybe. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so teams of four. Yeah. So, so what we, I'm guessing you picked different teammates for their strengths or whatever. Yes. So, like, what did Richie bring to the team? Well, Richie. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. He, it was actually originally it was Richie's team and that kind of got stripped away week by week someone got injured someone couldn't and then we had that period with lockdown so the last one couldn't get out from Auckland because they shut Auckland down and um, so it was him he was the last one standing and even his navigator got stripped away. Mm. But he's actually a really good navigator himself. And I guess his key element is, I don't know much about rugby, but what I've experienced with him, he's actually a great team player and a really good leader as such. Like, um, quite fascinating. Mm. Like, uh, just... Yeah, a, yeah, I mean, you've had, yeah. a, you've had a ringside seat, I guess, mm. to, um, yeah, Richie McCaw and his leadership post-rugby, but, um, and it's, uh, his leadership is something that most of us, you know, very few New Zealanders would have got to experience during his 148 tests. Mm. But what do you mean? Can you think of any examples? Is he just good at keeping cool under pressure, or...? Oh, he's very cool, and he would never give up, no matter how many 
stumbles. I did say, I think I did say to him once he was, he's quite clumsy. <laughs> I would express him as like, or he keeps falling over in, in the woods. And I was like, you just got rugby with trolls. You just bump into those trees to knock something over. <laughs> I don't know if he found it funny at the time, but I had to laugh. <laughs> oh, how could you not? How could you not find it funny? <laughs> um... You know, he had some good words of wisdom, which I can't recall it mm. right now. But while we were walking, and we were walking a lot for a long time, um, we had some deep, meaningful conversations, and that was just fascinating. So he, Because I had no idea about him. I know he was a rugby legend, you know, and even when you go shopping with him, there were people coming and, hey, Richie, and wanted an autograph and blah, blah. And I was like, man, we are under time pressure. <laughs> you know, like, we need to get out of here. <laughs> but anyway, he is quite kind and he takes the time and, uh, you know. Um, but I had no idea till I saw it with my own eyes what an impact, I guess, he has on the people and how well-respected he is. And you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was an honor to, to, to race with him. Yeah. yeah. I thought at some point we might kill him, but... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that would be a disaster. <laughs> so, so, in, in these, so in these Godzone events, so you you you're allowed to sleep if you want, but if you sleep, yeah. obviously you're not making any sort of movement. So, we, you, yeah. do, do, as a team, do you decide to have a 15 minute nap, 20 minute nap, or? Yeah, there are times um, we had. Sometimes they have um, compulsory dark zones, like you can't go on the wild river, so you have to stay there for the whole night, you know, and that's a good thing to know. Then you know you've got a good quality sleep. You've got eight hours of whoop, resting. So sometimes you have to push for two days to get there, but then you have eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that, not, that doesn't happen, and you have to structure with your team when you're going to sleep. Most teams, they probably don't have any sleep the first 24 hours because you're so blah, awake and, you know, you just want to go. <laughs> just wired. Yeah, you are wired. Um, but also it comes down to the guy that is in charge of the nav, or ideally want to have two people on the nav so they can share the load. And it, a bit, it is a bit based on how they feel. If they feel like they need to sleep, then, you know, you need to listen to them because they are your main components. Like if they get tired and make, you know, when you're more tired, you more, so I guess it's easier to make nav mistakes. So, mm. yeah. Or get yeah. clumsier if you're rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he was pretty good. <laughs> and even if he would fall over, like we had a, one scenario, he climbed over the fence, he got caught and he was falling down on the other side on these funny cut tree stumps. And I was like, oh my God, we might have to stitch him up. But he just got up, dusted off mm. the dirt and dirt, dirt, had a deep breath and marched on. Because like, oh, when he was playing rugby, <laughs> and it's one of the most successful all-black rugby careers ever, like 148 tests, yeah. at every single post-match conference, he had blood everywhere. Like, yeah. he's used to being cut. He's fine. <laughs> I know. I just had no idea. You know, yeah. I just, God, I couldn't even punch someone for, but he was like, ah, oh, that hurts, you know. Like, mm. I don't like pain as such anymore <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> are you sure you're in the right sport then it seems like a very painful endurance sport. pain I guess it's different yeah. than you know, I don't know. <laughs> and co- coast to coast I suppose is the thing that you've really sort of like pushed through and made a name for yourself here in New Zealand was that fair to say over recent years so you, you won coast to coast number. correct me if I'm wrong um, but you won coast to coast in 19, uh, 2019 yeah 2021 mm-hmm. 2022 2023 mm. And you're training for the 2024 event. Yes. And you're the, you're the first woman to do a three-peat, three, three wins in a row? I'm not sure. I should, actually, I should know. I've got the trophy at home looking at it every day. <laughs> um, no, I think 
there has been another woman they have done three oh maybe not three in a row that's a good point i have to i will do some homework mm. but i know there is kathy lynn she won it five times so if you if you win in uh, touch wood in uh, 2024 that that's five times as well yes wow <laughs> so that's a big goal that's a lot of pressure on yourself yeah, it's good though. Keeps is it? Me going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know sometimes it's maybe a bit too much, but it's like, yeah. And then people are like, oh, you need to do it six hours. I was like, no, no, no. That's <laughs> 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 <It's> enough. <laughs> and and um, so, yeah, so you won in uh, 2019, 2021, 2020. Yeah. yeah. What happened in 2020? That was a DNF. It did not finish. Yeah. What happened? I, I got hypothermia. I had too many swims in the boat. I was paddling. And I decided that I'm not, it's not safe enough for me to carry on because I would probably become a hazard or, you know, um, a danger zone for other competitors. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not fair enough. They trained all year for this event for me to potentially ruin. Mm-hmm. I was hypothermic before, way back in Germany in my early 20s. And I thought I, I don't want to go there anymore. Like I was probably, I could have probably maybe carried on, but I was like, what's the point? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, it's not safe, you mm-hmm. know, and... There's two. It's not life threatening. It's not life threatening. I'm not dying here. It's, yeah. Of course, it's a race, but at the end, it's just a race. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, but that must have been. It must have been heartbreaking for you, though. Like, oh, I mean, it was. It was a. Oh, it was a bittersweet moment. It's probably not the worst moment, but one of these worst moments you don't wish on anyone. And I guess everyone that had to pull out of a race for whatever reason, or had to give up, you know, whatever they trained again for their six months leading into it. It's. It's definitely not an easy pill to swallow, but I feel like with all the, I wouldn't call them failures, but with all the things that didn't plan out or didn't go my way I wanted, I, I feel like I come out on the, I, I learn so much more than when things oh, keep going the right way, if that mm. makes sense. 100%. 100%. You learn so much more from <laughs> yeah. your, um, your failures or your disappointments. That you, yeah. You learn nothing from winning. Yeah, it's nice. It's sweet, but then it doesn't last long. But when you feel like you you really earned it, you know, everything came together. You worked on this for so long. You overcome a certain fear, whatever, and you nailed it. Like last year, for an example, or 2000, what's 23? That was one of these moments where I'm like, I I feel like I, I've succeeded now. Not in everything, but, you know, like I, I can ride a bike really well. I can run over the path really well. It didn't show because I had a hamstring injury, but, you know, if you put it all together, like, and then the pedaling was always my critical moment and that first time ever I could deliver a good pedal. It wasn't fast, but I, I had the fastest time on the day as the individual woman and they couldn't gain any time on me and that was really rewarding because in the back, back in the days it was like, oh yeah, she keeps saying this every year, the same thing, she works on her pedaling. I was like, I'd have been working on my pedaling. And you know, it's so frustrating when you have been, but on day it just doesn't, you still scared or you can't put it together and then finally it it's just I could deliver what I was saying mm. and I was like oh that felt that win felt so much better than all the I mean the, all the wins are great and I'm grateful for it and I worked hard for it but that one felt complete and then I was like that's it I was like no more I've done what I wanted. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, but here I am again. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> sucker for punishment. So yeah, for anyone that doesn't know the um, the the ins and outs of the coast to coast event, so you do the event known as the longest day. Yes. So that's um, bike, run, kayak, bike. You run off the beach for two point two k's. Yeah. And then you bike, I think fifty five k's, and then you run over Gold's Pass. What's that like? Thirty five. Thirty three. Uh, maybe 30, 33. I think it's maybe 30. That's an- or 
Maybe yeah, around thirty. It's it's intense. I did, I did yeah. that a few a few years ago, and it's like a lot of it's not actually running. It's like yeah, you're hopping over boulders and stuff. <laughs> you like imagine a goat. It's, uh, it's intense, <laughs> and it's it's, uh, it's it's very very steep, and then it gets to gets to a flat bit at the end, and you're running over like massive massive river stones for maybe eight or nine kilometers. Yeah, it's like a riverbed run, yeah. literally uphill up upstream. Yeah, it's so, a, so you do that, and then um, after the run, you're you back on the bike for a bit. Yeah, for fifteen k's, you bike. On the main highway to the Mount White Bridge, and then you jump in the boat and pedal seven kilometers down the Waimakariri. Seventy. Seven zero, yes. And then you jump back on your bike, and then you bike another seventy kilometers. Probably one of the most boring roads here in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> it's so straight, but it's. I guess it's the good thing you don't have to think much about it. You just put your head down and ride for your life. <laughs> Yeah, so and to do it in the, to to win it, like how many hours is that? How many hours it's does it take? Twelve and a half to thirteen, yeah. or twelve to thirteen, sort of in that. Yeah, and that's minus. that's going full noise, right? That's not fucking around at all. That's, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a lot. Um, oh, so so that um, DNF in twenty twenty, that's not your only adversity. Are you broke your back in two thousand and nine? I did, yeah. So you, you broke, yeah. You, this is this is amazing. So you broke your back, oh. and then um, then you came back and did the Ironman in Kona like a few months. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did you break your back? What? I was mountain biking, which is in Wanakai in a forest, which is called Sticky Forest, and I was going actually quite slow, but it's a very sort of narrow single track, and I just clipped the tree. I just I don't know why bumped into the tree, and then. I got pushed off, obviously, and then I heard this cracking noise. I was like, oh, my God. I was just lying on the ground. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. But I got back up. I got back on the bike because I was up with a mate, and I caught up with him, and I was breathing heavy, you know, like like carefully. And I was like, are you right? I was like, oh, I feel like, I don't know. I just had a crash. He was like, oh, okay, a crash. <laughs> and I carried on biking with him down to Isletown. I said, oh, let's get out of Sticky. Let's just go flat. <laughs> but every pedal stroke, I was like, man, this is not good. I said, I might have broken something. And so I decided to go home. And then my flatmate at the time, she was a nurse. And she's like, uh. I was trying to stretch it out. And then I went up into the house and she's like, you look a bit weird. And I was like, yeah, I'm just a bit broken. Or I don't know, <laughs> a bit sore. And then she kind of did some, what is it called? Like an exam. And she's like, oh, I think I called the doctor, which was a good friend of hers. So she just came around and was like, oh, I thank you got a broken bone now. <laughs> 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 that's, that's is there a chance you could have ended up like confined to a chair? If, Con- confined to it, like paralyzed? Oh, no, it was for, just one of these vertebra things. Um, it wasn't too bad, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's why they're like, Jesus, you you were, you look way too good to have a broken back. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I, I think that's again, the body's an amazing thing when things happen like you. And I guess because I've been sporty and physically i don't know no i don't know i had broken ribs and i i certainly was broken <laughs> i got him over it's like i'm dead <laughs> but i'm not dead <laughs> so anyway it wasn't i think it was bad but not as bad but it definitely um put me out for a few months yeah but I, then you were back doing the full iron man in kona full uh, iron man by the way that's like a, a 4k swim 160k bike ride a 3.8k swim, 180k bike, and, uh, and then a full a marathon. marathon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess it was a, it was this life, um, this childhood dream I, I had when I was a little child. I really wanted to do the Hawaiian Ironman, 
And it didn't matter if I'm pro or age group, but I just wanted to fulfill my dream. And in 2009, I qualified. The aim was to qualify in Taupo and do it all at once. And, you know, like when you have a wish list, tick it off. And that's how it happened. And I had this amazing community in Wanaka. They they actually raised a lot of funds for me that I can actually go because I just didn't, you know, I just didn't have that money to do. But they just, yeah, there was so much more involved than just me going and doing, you know, mm. going to the World Champs. So, um and I knew because it's so expensive, it will be a one-off. I don't know how other people afford, unless you go, I guess you, that's why you have sponsors and mm. yeah, they paid a big buck. But yeah, anyway, and because it's just me, like there's no family around that would say, you know, that I have support from um, mom and, you know, not mom, I shouldn't bring mom and daddy, but you know, from the family. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. A one-way wagon, trying to wave my one, <laughs> mm. make my way through. Uh, achieve my childhood dream anyway I didn't want to let these people down and we booked already flights I'm pretty sure we had everything booked and we had this party um, they organized a big party for me yeah uh, like a Hawaiian thing oh it was amazing yeah we raised over $3,000 on the door <laughs> oh, it was a big cool. yeah so it was cool and I still had my you know it was, I think we had six months still to get ready but I knew with a broken bag it will be you know the aim was just to completed there was no i mean i mm. still came third but you know it wasn't pretty yeah 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 one, th- one thing i've learned from um doing this this podcast almost two years now and speaking to some amazing people is that there, there, there there's only one cheat code for success and that's hard work oh, it yeah. seems like that's the only unfortunately like everyone wants like an easy solution right and that's the only oh. that's the only common thread with every high performer i've had here hard fucking work it is it is and it's like Sometimes I have to remind myself that's uh, you know the outcome or the money might come later because right now I'm just putting in the hard work but there's no money and it's like oh my god is it paying off it will pay off I'm hundred percent sure it will pay off yeah yeah you just have to be, keep believing yeah. so, so what, what does an yeah. average training week look like for you just like an average boring one so say do you mean in terms of uh, the average hours I do or yeah well, yeah we we'll start with hours it's probably like on an average week and then a heavy twenty five. 25. And heavy probably goes over 30, but it will be probably not many. There will be, won't be a huge amount of weeks of over 30 plus. Oh, don't lie, Simone. (laughs) 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 So so, so, so on on a real heavy week, say, say four to five hours a day? Yeah, like usually I have sort of easy days, like for an example, this week would look like yesterday I had a big weekend, um, which wasn't probably scheduled from the coach, but <laughs> I just play catch up, which I should probably not do. And sometimes because I'm coaching myself now, it's like, don't do this catch up game. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yesterday I had an easy, easy cycle, just a wind trainer session or an easy spin outside and then just a, an easy run for an hour or whatever. And then... Today was supposed to be some track, you know, some speed running, and I can't remember, probably a pedal, I think. And tomorrow would be probably like a combination of maybe a bike, just kind of duration, and probably a run as well. And then on Thursday, usually I have like a, a workout on the bike and then a run off the bike. Oh my God, I'm giving my training away. Stop. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you quite um, do you keep your cards quite close to your chest do you, no. do, like, do you, do you share your, your training on Strava or anything or no, no, no I don't really? <laughs> but it's like I love sharing things but I don't know many female athletes or pro athletes they share anything with 
with other females. So, oh, that's yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so it's not like so, a not like an exchanging of information yeah, no, or ideas. No, ah. like I talked to a triathlete the other day. How how long did it take you to run a loop in Monica? And she's a pro, and you know how pros they know everything down to the second. And she's like, I don't know. It's like bullshit. <laughs> you do know. Like, no, you're just not. I'm not naming it, but it's like you do know. <laughs> you know, like you know every, every down to the millisecond. <laughs> you're so in tune with times and everything. Like that's funny. Anyway, so it's so competitive. Yeah, eh? it's like this is interesting. We're not even compatible because she's doing triathlon whatever you know like mm. itu whatever and i'm doing multi-sport oh sorry i haven't actually answered your question before with multi-sport i guess that's different like the coast is very different to an adventure race because mm. it's on a day it's just a few hours or sometimes 10 11 12 hours but that's it and it's a course that's marked that's given you just follow you don't have to navigate you don't have a compass and the adventure side is you know adventure races you have an old school compass no GPS, nothing, no marked course. You find your way, the quickest way to the next checkpoint. Um, does it mm. tick? <laughs> yeah, how, how, do you, how do you train for that? Is it just being, um, is it just training yourself for endurance and making sure you're okay with sleep deprivation or what? Or with the God zone, or with yeah. those adventure races. I guess what I, I have never learned anything like it um, and never heard about it when I was in Germany, but. I guess that's the advantage. Not advantage, but probably in other countries too, that they grew up with orienteering and um, row gaining, you know, and they, they, they get taught already, get taught at, at school, I don't know, map braiding and, you know, like looking at the landscape and finding clues and having all these really cool games and being in nature. And I, had, I haven't had that since I came here. I was like, wow, this is actually, yeah, I, I, that's something I really want to learn a bit more. After this, yeah. <laughs> following the path, <laughs> yeah. and, and you, you, um, you you managed to fit all this training in with um, like employment and stuff. So just uh, up until just recently, you've been like a lifeguard in a pool in Wanaka. Yeah, but um, I have to say, the last probably three or four, no, three years, I do sort of cut down on work. Yeah. In the final months, leading into into the coast, because I just feel like that's me personally. I just want to. I guess I get so. Not obsessed, but I'm kind of driven. And I want to give it my best. And someone said, just imagine you could give it your absolute, like, what would you, imagine you give it, you know, it's a big commitment, but I guess it's either all or nothing. You know, I'm all in or, or mm. I can't do this half-half, <laughs> yeah. which I've done in the past. I tried to do multi-sport and, you know, Ironman and triathlon and you just hover around on always kind of scratching, sort of being at the top level, but you're not quite there because you just, and you're not committed 100%. You know, like, it's almost like an excuse, mm. which is like, I hate excuses. <laughs> so it's like, and then a few years ago, I just like, bang, okay, I stop work and I use my savings, which is probably not the way to do it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, hopefully it will pay off. Not hopefully, but usually hard work and dedication. And even if it doesn't pay off, like, in 2020, it was heartbreaking. And, yes, you lost money. But at the end, like, I think you learned so much more than – any money could pay for it as well, you know? Mm. Yeah. Doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, um, should we go back and um, zoom in on some of the early years in Germany? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you, so <laughs> you're growing up in, whereabouts in Germany? Uh, the bottom, south. Right. Um, and and you're, a, you're a sporty kid, you're into inline skating? Or anything. And inline just anything skating. and everything. Um, were, were, you, were you like naturally, naturally talented or naturally fast or anything or... I don't know. It was. I grew up in a very small village with about eight hundred people, so it was very small. And I guess you just 
kids just having fun really you know there was no pressure mom never said oh you need to go into your running you know go athletics or dance class or it was all self-driven mm. and I just I don't know I just loved playing hang out with my mates they were mainly f males <laughs> and um, I played soccer basketball volleyball I loved the team sports and I also loved athletics and gymnastics doing your own individual individual sport and Yeah, I skate, love skateboarding. Like, just, yeah, just having fun, I guess. Mm. But all quite low-key. I knew, I, I was quite good running, like, at 800s. But even to, at the competitions we had, and I, you know, when I was running the best, um, they would say, oh, you need to come. To get better, you need to get to a different squad. And, you know, you need someone to drive you there. And mom was like, I can't do that. Like, we all working. We got two older, you got two older brothers. They go to soccer. I'm not here to be your chauffeur, you know. So it was just like, okay, that's fine. I just gonna just keep having fun <laughs> and i was happy with just being that the kid that just turns up every now and then and wins some races. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and um the um yeah we can talk about this and um as much or as little as you want the the eating disorder where did where did that begin oh my eating disorder yeah. so that that came about i just left school i think i was like 15 so i finished school early and i guess Do you mind I mean how it came or like? Yeah. It was, I guess, um, it, for me, it was a wealth, a wealth. Like I, I got funny pictures in my head and made me kind of really sick and uh, nauseous. And I just wanted to throw up and that's what I did. And I guess that got triggered because of my past, <laughs> which came up when I was a teenager, like just um, 14 years old. Yeah. Yeah. You want to chat about that or? Yeah, I can chat. Yeah. Pretty yeah. open about it. Yeah. Because it's made me who I am. And yeah, yeah, and I've, 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 I've read some read some articles about it and stuff, oh, but, I'm, but I'm sure every every time you every time you chat about it, I'm sure it's yeah. uh, exhausting. Probably oh. more exhausting than running goats goats pass. Yeah. It's not a nice thing to chat about. So, yeah, so so you start having flashbacks when you're 14 about some um, sexual abuse that happened when you were real young. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. which was from the neighbour. We just like we used to. He was like a granddad to us, just looking after us, and it just happened when I was four or five years old. Which at the time I had no idea. You know, kids are so innocent; like they're just mm. so young, they don't really know, and yeah. they, even they think it's funny. But <laughs> when you get older, and I guess that's what happened to me, I forgot about, I forgot all about it till I became a teenager and had my first boyfriend. And we were playing basketball at the time, and he grabbed me just to pretend, uh, protect that I don't throw a hoop. And that movement from holding me from behind just triggered everything. I was like, "What is going on?" And every night I was just like thinking about that movement what happened and every day I would just it just unraveled more and more and I was like wow and it just made me from this happy child to some I would say probably severe depressed within days you know like even mm -hmm. mom was like what's going on with you and I was like I think I'm going psycho like absolutely I think I'm watching too many horror movies or psycho things which I didn't but I was like wow something is not right And then one night she asked me again and I just unloaded and she's like, oh, is that what happened in the past? And I was like, shell-shocked. It's like, what do you know from the past? And then she said, oh, yeah, when you were little, this is what happened next door. And you told us all about it. And then dad went over and confronted him and he had all his excuses. But then, of course, we got told not to go there anymore. And, of course, he had he had triggers. He was like, oh, come with me and I give you lollies upstairs, da-di-da-di-da. You know, like the most normal common thing for a five 
four year you know like to go mm. with and like oh this is all cool and because it and it wasn't you know nothing was painful or I, you know I, I had no idea um, uh, but that was the the beginning and um, I guess my poor not poor parents I guess they they punished for life as well but I, I've forgiven them and um, I guess yeah, well, <laughs> yeah how, how, like how do you, how do you forgive them because they must be I don't know I suppose like if you uh, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. projecting here, but if you look at it from a, a from their perspective in a place of compassion, maybe they're like, "Oh, if we go to the police and the authorities, it's just going to drag you through yeah. years and years of this." Maybe it's best just to confront him and tell him to stay the fuck away and leave yeah. it at that. But I guess for them, they didn't really know how to deal with it. And for mm. them, for them, the best and easiest. For them was to just shut it all down and nothing happened and we don't talk about it. Sweep it because under because they just moved there and they were worried about what the neighbors think. You know this whole what other people think and we don't want to be that the the, the people they are like oh you know like <laughs> yeah. So that that was all sweet till 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 I was fourteen mm. and um, had this this unraveled trauma coming up and because um it affected my life so much and I guess I didn't know how to deal with it that I just started having panic attacks and um hyperventilating every time a guy would come close to me or even teach also it's like it was just awful um and I've seen psychologists and then later down I guess I told the you know talked to the psychologist and then they he would then I guess do the job he would go and <laughs> tell my parents off but that had a whole major ripple effect on me coming home still living at home when you're 14 you know mm. um I got so really punished for that. And I was like, oh my God, I've got no one to talk to. Mm. So then when I left school, and then the funniest thing is I left school and I didn't really know, I had no purpose in life. And mom was like, oh, just do a job, do any job. And I got your job in the bakery as an apprentice. And I was like, okay. And that was probably the worst <laughs> thing <laughs> for me with an eating disorder. But you just don't know, you know. But anyway, so I did this apprenticeship and it was hard work. You've got long hours. I couldn't do my sport. I guess it was a major thing too because sport, maybe that's why sport kept me kind of going and alive. And I was thriving with sport because I could just let go of my energy and maybe deep down that was the unconscious to pack it all up. And it's like sport was sort of my, my wealth. You know what I mean? Even at class, I remember a teacher gave me the only permission. Like I was the only child that could get up and walk around because I would just break all the chairs all the time from gouging and, mm. and annoying my classmate because I was just like so flim, you like just so vibrant. Anyway, uh, long ramble. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's good. I'm, yeah. What's your, what's your, yeah, what's your relationship like with your parents now? Like, like you know, have you forgiven them? Is it okay yes. or is it always going to be a little bit weird? No, um, I guess that's why I'm on the other side of the world as well. So yeah. It wasn't just the language, but it was also sort of an escape. How far can I go to not be away from my parents? I mean, you know, the, when you, I guess it took me a long time to, to come to peace with all of this and even understanding them and, and then I revel their situation and when you unravel their situation it's like oh there's no wonder we're all a bit not effed up but you know a bit screwed up because if you look at their lives and what they've been through it's like oh my god but no one talks mm. no one that's I think find, I find it so hard that we don't talk about certain things or even as a family and I guess that's what I learned through therapy and I'm happy to talk about these things now talking has helped me to just get it out of me rather than suppressing it or 
you know, like... You're bottling yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's been a big Kiwi yeah. thing over the years yeah. as well. We're very and good at just bottling things up. I guess there's this whole men, mental, mental health, you know, like this... Yeah, you just have to... You really have to talk about yeah. it. Let it out. It's like this... Uh, when you open a champagne bottle, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I guess with the sorry, with the eating disorder, the, that helped me to deal with the pressure. That was like this instant, just the pictures. Not pressure, but it was like a pressure release. Like for me, it felt like I guess when you are taking drugs or drinking, it felt like I was just numbing myself. And I guess first it started with um, just not eating or whatever I ate. I was throwing up, and even just water. I just needed that throwing up feeling, which is so bizarre because now when I get sick, I'm like. Ugh. Oh my God, how did I do this under purpose? You know, like, <laughs> you know, when you get a tummy back and you're like, it's yeah. awful. And anyway, but it was this, that was like my release of just, I don't know, being <sighs> like a quick fix. And the more I did it, the more I felt just released, like just this throwing up feeling was like my key of just surviving. Like scratching an itch. Yeah. Oh, I did cut myself back then in the days too. Like I was just like cutting and doing self-harm a lot just to deal with that pain. Like that, I guess when mom told me that they knew about it, it was like someone's just rammed a knife into my heart and it's my parents. And you think they are the people they're supposed to look after me and support mm. me. You know what I mean? Like if I would have a child and I would find anything I would hear anything about it. I think I would kill. You know, like, yeah, okay, yeah, I, wouldn't, 100%. I would be like, okay, I can't kill this guy. <laughs> but I would be, wow, I think, man. That, that's, why it's, that's, why it's so, that's why it's so um, hard, to, hard to understand because you, mm. you, 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 know, you were like a defenseless little girl. And yeah. You did everything right. Like you, you told, um, you know, you, the people in a position of power. Yeah. And yeah. still nothing was, nothing was done for you and that's yeah. fucking heartbreaking. And I don't know how you, how you get past that mentally. Yeah. Um, but shit, you've done the work, haven't you? But it's like you, <laughs> you, you lost your entire teenage years really, didn't you? Oh, yeah. That was um, – yeah, sometimes I feel like I have some catching up. No, I don't. <laughs> some catching up. No, but I, was, I suppose this is your, like, you, the, the teenage years, which you sort of lost yeah. with sort of your university of life. Like, you went through yeah. you know, all this adversity a, then, and it's made you the incredible, yeah. you know, absolute savage that you are today. It's hard work. Um, nine, years of, nine months of therapy. Yeah. Like, I was locked away for six months, and then I had three months in sort of a, um, an, a living area where you've on the clinic side, but you more introduced into a normal living, but you've got doctors and everything there. And then I got put into like, it's not an orphanage home, but they put young teenagers there to, to grow their, you know, to learn their life skills again and um, get a job. And they have a, I had two caregivers looking after me and helping me with guiding me through life again. And they, I got to thank them a lot. They're still alive. I'm still in contact with them. <laughs> and it's, yeah, they, uh, yeah. They, Fuck, they must be, they must be so proud. Have they, have they indicated how proud they are? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. 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 One of the guys, his name is Bern and he got me back into running. And he is this when you were when you were a smoker? Oh yes, ah, yeah. <laughs> hard just, to imagine. Hard to imagine the three-time coast to coast winner being a smoker. I think uh, I have uh, a bit of act- addictive personality. <laughs> May, oh no, I think I still have it. But when I do things, I don't do them halfway. I eat all, all in or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just good in bed. <laughs> were, were you a good smoker? Like how many a day? A uh, few packages. Oh my god, that is disgusting. Mainly, mainly at the weekends when you're out, okay. party, you know, like yeah, and then always with coffee and alcohol, you know, when you're just socializing. Yeah, yes, 
Genetically, yeah, you're a radixethalite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things have changed. Or have changed tremendously. I mean, I had a long time now. We're <laughs> mm. talking about 20 years. Yeah. 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 yeah, but you had to do the work, though. No one else could do that for you, eh? Yeah, I mean, it would have been easy just to to, to, to stay down there and you know, wallow in your self-pity or be a victim or whatever, and you, you chose the hard way and you had to do the work, but you had to do it yourself. Yeah, and that's it's it's so hard, and I understand when people are depressed, you know, like when they say, oh, I just can't do it. Like, oh, I don't know if it's a life lesson, but everything you do in life, um, sometimes it is hard work, and sometimes you just have to tick it off as you go and put one foot in front of the other and don't look at the big outcome. You're just going to do it. As I said, you know, like even getting out of my eating disorder, it wasn't that they're like, oh, you have to completely stop from today. You know, it wasn't that they put me in a clinic and, you know, you're going to be, you can't throw up anymore, whatever. They, it was actually quite amazing. They, they gave me like a diary and I had to record every, everything. And I, I guess I went in there. I was, I was, I just... I was 17 at the time, and then in the clinic I turned 18, but I was such a young child. You know, like, mm. literally, I was the youngest with 70 women, only women, and they had all sorts of addiction from alcohol, drugs, medication, anything, you name it, obesity, anorexia, the whole spectrum. And But they gave me the, I guess, again, they can only do so much. It's up to me what I do with it. Like, if I've got this one chance in my life and I eat all take it and work on it and I know it's going to be hard but hopefully I learn enough and be strong enough to come out you know that I can regulate or come out on the other side like not come out but establish myself well enough that I can have sort of a normal life by myself and not you know like without Mm. the addiction that I don't Mm. think about the addiction that the addiction doesn't um, how do you say this? Sorry, sometimes I struggle with articulating myself. Oh, you don't, I think you're doing great with English. Yeah, it doesn't know, define you? Addiction takes over you. And everything everything in life is based, you know, when I was 15, it, was about, it wasn't about life anymore. For, for two, three years, I was like, not work, not friends, not family. I did not care. Well, all I cared was when can I throw up? How can I throw up? How many times can I throw up? And it was this constant cycle before you go to bed. When you wake up the first thing, it was basically all around your addiction but how can I have you know like learning how can I have a life with not thinking about this anymore Mm. and that I don't need this anymore as an outcome does that make sense Mm. yeah Yeah, so there was um, there was amazing when I went to the clinic like there wasn't like your knife on your chest like no cut it all you know like and if you throw up we're gonna punish you no it was like I guess this it's you take it. It's your guidance. Like I and I recorded everything, and I was really open and honest. I guess that's a good thing about me. I I am very open and honest, and I didn't want to let anyone down, and even my family. I wanted them to be proud of me, you know that. But for them, it was quite mm-hmm. fine. It's like, oh, you go into a clinic and you come out, you just go put the car into a garage, <laughs> and you come out and you're the old Simone again. It's like no. So that that was sort of, I guess, the first step into, the you know, a new life. Um, and then I, because they're like, oh, you can't come home and live with us again. I was like, no, I actually, if I come home, I'm going to be in the same circle in the same <laughs> yeah. shit. It's like putting an alcoholic bag into the bar. I was yeah. like, and even my employer at the time, he was quite amazing because it was in the bakery and he said, he knew I was pretty sick and I had an easy order. And he's like, 
I give you the time, all the time in the world. You're just going to go and look after yourself and you can come back and finish off your apprenticeship whenever you want. You just go and look after yourself. So I'm very grateful for this opportunity too, but he's not alive anymore, unfortunately. He passed mm. away. But amazing, amazing boss. Hard, but I learned so much. Yeah. And then with the clinic, yeah, the team was amazing. Like the, I have to say, like the, the help I had, it was just... Yeah, next level. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's hard. I guess it's like over here, you know. First, shit needs to happen before they take action. Like, I had to collapse in a club, which is quite funny, in a nightclub. <laughs> in order. By, by the way, can, can I just say it's it's not that funny. Yeah, <laughs> but to get an immediate um, uh, a prescription into a clinic, you know, we were fighting for half a year with, yeah. with the support team I had, and they're like, "Oh, we just put you in a waiting list. She's not bad enough." You know, she's not bad mm. enough. It's like, you hear this so often here with the health system. It's like, oh, people, it's okay. You know, they're still walking. They're still breathing. It's like, when they say I have a problem or, you know, when they call out for help, you should not just put them on hold. But mm. I guess, I don't know if we need more educated or, you know, doctors or psychologists. I don't know. But um, yeah, anyway, I don't want to go there now. But I had this amazing team with me and um, amazing psychologist nurturing me through this whole process through the six months and um first i thought oh, after four weeks i can't wait to get out of here after two months and i keep extending and extending because i got more into it and i you i guess you just felt so safe in there you know suddenly mm. you just like this little um chicken <laughs> blossoming again yeah um, and it's funny because i used to i turned all my sort of feelings and everything off so when I was up there in the clinic, we were living on the top of a hill. I put on my rollerblades on one day and I decided I'm going to rollerblade down to the next village. <laughs> and it was pretty steep. And I realized while I was braking on the rollerblades, my brakes were all disappearing and I had no more brakes. And kid you not, it was the first time I actually feared for my life for I don't know how many years because I guess what I haven't also said, like um, I tried to do a suicide attempt when I was 14. Yeah, so that didn't work. But anyway, I had I just wanted to die, literally. You know, after this whole, I just had no life purpose. But anyway, I was so happy. <laughs> and I had to run off into a paddock and tumble to, and I was all bruised and, you know, scarred up and with, with cow shit and all shit. I came back to the clinic and people were like, oh my God, what happened? Just like, I was just being, was like, oh my God, I just feel fear. <laughs> I want to be alive. <laughs> it was like... So it's almost like an epiphany in a way because suddenly yeah. it's like yeah. Um, yeah, you felt like you had nothing worth living for and yeah. then suddenly it's like you did, you realise faced yeah. with potential death yeah. you didn't want to die. Yeah, it's like, oh man, I do really want to live. Like, mm. And I had a few other light bulb moments where I'm like, one of my best friends um, I grew up with on the streets, she was severely in love and just seeing her with her partner being so happy, I was like, I want to be like this one day. So I had a few amazing key moments where I'm like, no, I actually... So, you know, the anorexia or bulimia, it was, it was all there for a purpose. It just, I just didn't know what to do anymore. I just, you know, it was my only coping mechanism, like this, this, mm. this pain and this... Oh, and also because I felt so ashamed of the body and... I guess because someone took over you and did all these funny things with you. And, you know, like when you get the feelings and sensation and, oh, it was all mixed up where I'm like this, I couldn't look under the, I could look in the, in the mirror, but I couldn't look underneath my neck. Basically. I just hated it. Like I just, ugh, it was disgusting, which mm. now I'm pretty proud of my body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it does, you know, it just, does amazing things. But, um, 
amazing things and what we we know what we humans are capable of and just even what happened in the past yes it's been there and it's it's a scar it's always going to be there but i learned i know it's 10 years now but it's it's becoming less less meaningless and less hurtful if that makes sense like yeah. i can happily talk about it now and don't break out into tears and you know what I, yeah, was <laughs> even there, it's was sad it, and it's emotional but it's like yeah was there was it yeah was there a while where it was still hard to talk about Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And even then, was a, not long ago, a few years ago, or maybe a year ago, I had to do a course online for work about oh, what was it? Some safety procedures when we work with kids as a swim school teacher, and you know, with violence and how we can potentially spot certain things when kids mm. have been um, abused or punished, or you know, like, um, and it just. Didn't ring the bells, but I got really emotional. Like, oh my god, I feel so sorry for these youngsters. Like, you know, they they don't know. Mm. And if I don't know how a grown up can take this away from any child, yeah. you know. And I guess they must be so un uncoordinated or screwed up up here to even think that way. It's like, or they have had the same thing happen to them. It's like, I for me now, I think, could I would I do this to anyone because this happened to me? I could not. I. I would probably kill the other person, <laughs> you know. Yeah, as, yeah. Um, yeah, and I always think, man, if I not kill them, I shouldn't say it's on a podcast, but you know, like, yeah, I definitely had some thoughts like if something happens to even my niece at home, I was like, man, I'm gonna, your auntie will come and. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Cut the balls off. Yeah. <laughs> is, um, is, is the, um, is the, the, the old neighbor in Germany still alive? Oh, no. Or? No. No, he died um, a so long he, time ago. Yeah. Was he ever held to account or did he ever face? No, that's, no. I guess, another thing which I guess that made me so, how do you say, angry and upset about it because he got no no punishment for it. Mm. He just happily died. Well, he probably wasn't happy. I don't know. But, you know, he died before this all unraveled. And then even, even still... Um, the neighbors are still good friends, which is great with my mom and dad. And I don't even know if they know to this date, to be honest. I have no idea. And it's, it's, um, so it's like a family secret. Yeah, it's a, it's a topic. Well, not anymore. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and it hasn't been for a long time because I well, thought it's your about story it to tell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I think it's actually a good story and more people should actually should be brave mm. enough. And, you know, mm. because it's not. It shouldn't be normal. It yeah. shouldn't happen. Like, you, no, absolutely, it shouldn't. And you, your, your your parents are they um are they full of like like guilt or shame or regret or remorse? Have they have they uh, verbalized how they feel? Yeah, it's hard. I think they're not good talking about their feelings. Mm. They just, I guess, must be in a generation thing. They're quite hard on themselves, and they're probably like, "Oh, we just had to move on." It's like when you go to war, you just have to, you yeah. know, that happened. Bomb went off. But we have to survive, you know, like it was a bit like just putting on the carpet, move mm -hmm. on. And then yeah. they're a bit, you know, religious. So then they go to church and talk to whoever <laughs> and, <laughs> and think it's all good. <laughs> it happened. And I get this. It happened in the past. It's not like, I guess how we try and be positive. You know, what happened in the past, you can't change it. I know. But if you haven't, like for me, I can't just like, if I, I probably, oh my God, imagine this wouldn't happened when I was 14 and I would unravel this now. Oh my, it would be a disaster. Mm. Imagine I would have these flashbacks now, you know, like having yeah. a partner and or imagine having a child, you know, like anyway. Yeah. So I think I'm glad it happened 
and it made me who I am today. And um, yeah, yeah, but you you yeah. did you did you lost some some years which are are really cool years in a person's life, though, right? Yeah, I, I feel like I you know even I don't know. It's probably a common thing these days that you are thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. and you just be all partying. Like I was, I think I was. Pretty pretty happy. I had parties, yeah. and even now I love parties. <laughs> uh, I don't do them right now so much because <laughs> um, I'm too focused on the event. Like, like, right like, a, like a carb loading party the night before an event. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I probably give that a miss. <laughs> so what's your what's your um, what's your mental health like now? Is it pretty good? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I have my ups and downs, but who hasn't got them, you yeah. know? And I guess the past definitely has left some, how do you say? Um, scars? Definitely some scars. And I have, I have to admit, I have massive trust issues, which a friend always calls me up. She will laugh about this, Emily. <laughs> it's like, it's okay, Simone. And then she gives me a big hug. So you can trust me. Um, and even my partner. But I definitely fight not fight but this is a big i struggle with not on a daily basis but you know because i'm open and honest and i guess it helped me to even overcome what i've mm. been through in the past because the more I talk and rather than piling it up and whatever i whatever goes on up here sometimes i blurb it out and sometimes it's maybe not a good thing to blurb it out what goes up here. but at least it comes out you know what i mean like especially for my, my poor partner but he then can kind of puts it into play and like that's something don't worry about it <laughs> you know like which I am worried about it yeah. or when I say oh I, I'm, I can't I struggle to trust them all of these people probably have some mischief up for me or they want to dope me you know like as an example it's like no why would they they're your friends but you know it's so creepy it's like so I still have certain things they it's your like, default setting yeah and I feel like when I get more tired and more stressed or you know like mm. not enough sleep or sleep is a big thing I get more and more I guess it's when people get anxious and I guess anxiety anxiety creeps I was like why should I have anxiety there's nothing you know nothing mm. scary it's like I guess it's just me it's like oh you need to just dial back have good food you know there are where nutrition nutrition comes in as well like Nutrition has so much more in life than just feeding ourselves. Like nutrition plays a massive role in your overall well-being, mental health, especially mental health. Mm. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I get so aggravated about this mm. oh, no, in a no, positive way. No, 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 it's true. It's true because everyone has um, good days and bad yeah, days. And yeah. when I'm having a bad day, I think, "Fuck!" Yeah. If, if I wasn't um, yeah. physically fit yeah. and doing all the things that yeah. I know are good for my own personal mental health, imagine how much worse I'd feel. Oh yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. So I, I, one thing I noticed about you, um, so you flew up from Wanaka for this podcast today and on the plane you're reading a book about resilience. <laughs> now, it's hard to imagine a more resilient person than, than you. I mean, you've won the coast to coast so many times. You do these insane God's own races. Um, you've done all this work that we talked about in your teenage years. What, um, what are you reading a resilience book for? What do you still need to work on? I guess, you know, I, I feel like we, we – probably gonna learn like a human like for me i thought when i grew up it's like oh the adults they know it all and you've finished learning <laughs> now i i guess i'm an adult <laughs> i'm 43 and i feel like oh my god there's so much to learn you know and that's what i want i want to you know even for the coast or for anything in life maybe there's one key element in there that just gives me that other not resilience but the other little key to to, to keep my thoughts more in control or keep me more in the moment or motivate me more or to bring out something else or what I want to do after my 
my my coast <laughs> of racing or you know like so you know it's 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 good it's like i want to evolve and i'm i'm kind of searching for what else is there you know how we listen you know um probably a good example like my partner tells me something i should do and then i go someone else tells me the same thing as like oh that's a great idea and he's like uh, i just told yeah. you the same thing you know but i heard it somehow it's a different voice or through a different lens and 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 yeah it's like yeah, well, your partner says it say oh what do you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and i just listen to to him or her and he's yeah. like i just told you the same thing you could have saved your money or you know like yeah <laughs> like, yeah oh we'll, we'll get to your, yeah. We'll get to your partner and we'll zoom in on him in a second. This yeah. is Marcel, right? Yes, Marcel. Who's, he, he, he was like a male version of you. He's retired now, but he's on all <laughs> your support crews and stuff. Um, but he was a savage as well when he was a competitor. Oh, he's he still a awesome. savage. Is that, yeah. Okay, but what would your, what would your uh, message be to anyone who is listening to the, this podcast and is at their version of rock bottom right now? Who? Rock bottom. Yeah, I mean, everyone's rock bottom stuff. Like, it's hard to imagine like a, a rock bottom that yeah. is uh, that is deeper than what yours was. But um, you know, everyone everyone has it at some point. So, if someone might be hearing this at um at that moment for them, what oh, probably lots of messages. I just like I know it sounds awful. Like, just have to keep hanging there. And I guess what I said before, like sometimes you can't see the light, but you just have to break it down. And you don't look at the weeks or the months. You look at every day sometimes you take it down in hours break it down down i just have to survive to lunch not that you say after after lunch you're going to kill yourself no no that's not i don't mean that but just um i would definitely reach out try and your best friends if they if it's too much for them my you know the medic you know like there's definitely there's so many helplines now these days mm. um Definitely, I think what helped me is talking. Like uh, even in my earlier years, even, you know, with my eating disorder or in between, I, I found this amazing lady, which was sort of a coach, an athletic coach. And she was sort of my talking point too. Again, I got punished for talking to her. But, you know, I just needed to talk and that was good. You know, I just needed to get this off my chest. Um, And it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't talk to anybody about my problems. But, yeah, it's like... I know it can be hard and horrible, and I, I probably had severe depressions, or not long ago I had a few weeks where I was pretty low, and my, even my partner was a bit worried, and I was like, man, what's going on? I think it had a hormonal, there's a hormonal imbalance, which we try and work out right mm. now. Um, maybe, actually, I can talk to Radix about this regarding foods <laughs> later on. <laughs> it's actually a good point. <laughs> but, you know, it was quite a, a hard time where I'm like, this is so not me, you know, where you're really down and you're not happy. You do your training, you go to work and nothing satisfies you and you just can't see the, the light mm. of the tunnel. Everything is just dark and you feel you don't belong. You feel no purpose and people telling you and you're like, but I don't feel it. It's awful. I can totally relate to this and it feels awful and I just want to go and take it off them or give them a hug <laughs> you know someone even just having someone there to listen and give you a hug or just some love I think we need more love <laughs> mm. um, but okay that I'm getting off topic what's my message um, that's a good one don't give up <laughs> that's one thing yeah, yeah. and I know it's hard but I guess that's what what I'm standing here for too like if it I, it was hard but if it you know um, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would do it, but it's not easy. That's why even me with competing or anything in life, lots of people don't do it because it's hard. Even with the people who are successful, they didn't become successful because they 
they did nothing. Usually, you know, they put their time, they put their whole life on hold to, you know, they're so obsessed, you know. Mm. Any, oh, I'm going, going, oh, going off, off topic again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right, you're right, you're good. That's good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, just to hang in there and keep breathing. I think that's another thing. Sleep lots and just, yeah, just don't give up and um, surround this, surround yourself with good people. And if you put it out there, if you got hope, if you want to be alive and live, then you're going to make it happen. But it's hard work. It's not going to be easy and it's not going to come to you flying. Like, absolutely not. Like, that's not what I thought, but what I've been through, like, in that clinic, it was years of, you know, like, that was just the beginning, but it was really hard work. And it's sometimes you go, you feel like you're walking through, but, you know, you have... 10 good steps and then you have a hundred step they go boom it beams you back but it's to keep on going like that's so my empathy i trying to to put on is like you just have to i know it's not pretty and it's not easy but you just have to keep going mm. and, and you, you have to do it yourself as well don't you yeah no yeah that's the thing is like as i said i'd love to come and give you a hug and you can anytime reach out to me i'm always there to listen um but it's no one can take this burden off you that's the thing like even if you're depressed like even my partner he's there he's caring for me he's showing me so much love but you know all he wants is like getting my bloody head and it's like take it (laughs) and i'm gonna run with it i dig a hole and throw it away (laughs) or you know just help me it's like i know i i have to go through this myself and yeah it's okay but yeah, it's like you really want a good, good, good friends and mm. teams around, and just talking about. I think opening up and just getting it off your chest, and because even that's hard for me to say. Hey, I'm actually, I'm not well. Mm. Like you know, you've achieved so much, and just not not long ago, a few weeks ago, I'm like, I feel like this is not good. Like I might have to see someone else. Like you know, I need mm. some bloody help. I mean, I got out of it, but I was like. This is quite spooky, you know. Like, yeah, it's ongoing. It never, never yeah. properly goes away. Yeah, it's always and then there. it's like, but even the system here is a bit. It's mm. a bit sad. It's like, it's not as easy as not. I mean, nothing is easy anyway. But it was made much easier in Germany to get some professional help and have access to psychologists than here. It's also a major money thing. It's like, mm. how do people? How can people afford this? Yeah, here I don't understand. I don't know because it's and and then if you go through the system, like I've been. When did I get here? In 2027. And then maybe early 2010, 11 or 12, mm. I had another little dip where I'm like, far out. I think I have to see, you know, I need some yeah. professional help. And it's like, I see you once in a month. And it's like, once in a month? You're kidding me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would be dead in a month. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I won't be dead. But, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. man, I guess just, anyway, I don't know how we solve mm. this problem. But, yeah, it is no. a bit. Um, Never goes away. Jeez, your, yeah. um, your, your teenage self, though, if she sitting in that rehab facility and mm. someone said to her, when you're 43, you're going to be living in New Zealand, you're going to be winning this event year after year after year, you're going to be an amazing person, you're going to have an amazing partner. Shit, I mean, it's a, it's a, pretty, good, a pretty good ending. Or it's a pretty good development, rather, in life. Like, it would be hard yeah. to see at, at that point when you're at your rock bottom to see how your life is now and how it's evolved. Or largely through work that you've done on your own, but mm. it's, um, it's been incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it's cool. You should be proud of yourself. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, I don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't form of power. like, when are you ever proud of yourself? You know, like, I am. I have these moments and I'm very grateful. And I guess that's what I want to pass on to others as well. And you can, you know, even now with the message, like, I obviously didn't have the perfect sentence here for the message I want to give to people who have the lowest of the low. But um, I guess the experience I had and. 
me showing up and fighting on it or even with events coming back even if you get knocked down and even mm. things don't fall out of my dnf and yeah yeah so it's it's a good uh, hopefully it inspires other men women trans whatever <laughs> mm. <laughs> human <laughs> to if they have a low end thing or oh, life is not worth it to it's like no everyone has worth it. like you sh- you're supposed to be here on this planet so so it's sad when you hear that people had no other option you know and yeah just, absolutely yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Um, tell us about Marcel. So you, you guys met in China like 20 years ago? <laughs> oh, not 20 years ago. Probably in 2000, I think 11 or 12. That's okay, when I, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And what oh, was it? More than 10 years ago because we've been, I just counted last night. We've been together for nine years. <laughs> right. and what, was, what was the event in China? There was like a… It was one of these uh, multi-sport events, uh, a stage race over four days. And he was racing in a different team winning team uh, you know <laughs> and I just came in um, got one of these wild cards and I was just happy to be there and it was actually quite funny because I I heard about him before I actually saw him in person and met him because um, he, he was like a rock star right he was really really good yeah 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 and he, he looked pretty good he still looks good <laughs> but he had this long blonde <laughs> can you believe it he's I should, probably shouldn't say his age, but he's his 50s, and he's still got kind of blonde. He's got no gray hair. He's got a gray beard sometimes when he grows it, but he's got still blonde hair. You know, like, it's unbelievable. Back in the days, he had this blonde, long angel hair. like just, <laughs> not that I have anything about outfits, but, it, you know. <laughs> anyway, he was a standout, and he's quite muscly, you know. <laughs> not that I'm worried about muscles at all, but. You know, just the overall good, good human. And uh, sorry, my point was at the time I was working, I just started working as a lifeguard at the Wonka pool. And my uh, workmate, Dougal Allen, which you might know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Another coast-to-coast yeah, champion. Yeah, yeah. Back in the days, we worked at the Wonka pool as <laughs> lifeguards. <laughs> um, he said, oh, my God, you need to meet my teammate. He's German. I was like, pfft. I don't want a bloody German guy. I don't want to, like, it would be nice to maybe meet him, but I don't, you know, he's like, you guys could be boyfriend, girlfriend, my I was like, absolutely no way. Like, I don't want a German boyfriend. <laughs> so I, he's like, you guys are just so like each other. Like, absolutely. And um, before I went to become a lifeguard, I was um, working, which is quite funny. You will laugh about that. Or maybe not. I was working in organic bakery or organic shop in Wanaka which was called Soul Food and I was the baker there making specialized gluten-free baking and I always made um, a lot of sourdough loaves and Dougal was like I'm gonna well he started actually before I met Marcel he took a loaf with him to to bring it to China for Marcel because Marcel loved homegrown sourdough bread (laughs) (laughs) and that's how we kind of met but not in person. The bread was sort of the, the, the message in between. <laughs> pretty good bread. He was like, oh, she's, she's, she's making pretty good bread. <laughs> but yeah, quite hilarious. Um, yeah, but funny that, you know, I did an apprenticeship at a bakery way back with my eating mm. disorder. Didn't finish it. And then here I am in New Zealand going back to a bakery. And I got residency with that job becoming, a, you know, being a, a specialized baker. Right, right. Oh, and mm. you mentioned you worked at the um, the Wanaka pool as well. Um, tell me, as someone that's been a lifeguard at a pool, what happens when there's a code brown? <laughs> Do they shut down the whole pool? You, you scoop it out and carry on? What goes on? <laughs> I guess there's a procedure, but first you get all the people out. And usually they just look at you and it's like, well, I'm not blowing the whistle for no reason. 
<laughs> usually. <laughs> Get and, yeah, yeah. And ideally, you don't want to scream into the hall like, "There's a goat brown." So you don't, you know? <laughs> is that what? Is that the official name, by the way? Yes, is yes, it? yes. We've got all these code names, like. Yeah. <laughs> what else is there? Give us some intel. Only three: code red and code yellow and code brown. <laughs> What's code yellow? Just we. Um, no. No, it has more to do if a lifeguard is down. Okay. And if a if a patient, uh, sorry, not patient, if there's a real accident, like someone has a a, um, a customer, then it's a code red. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Wow. Yeah. So then we call him drowning. We're not like you know, <laughs> we've got these code names. Yeah. And so then people it, have radios everywhere at the front desk, and then they kind of know mm. what's going on. You know, like sort of yeah. Because mm. are you are you actually sort of saving anyone in that job, or are you mainly just telling people off like don't run, no bombs. It's a combination. It's actually, I know I sometimes take the piss a bit with I'm just a lifeguard, but it is, I guess, you've got a pretty big role because mm. we are responsible to keeping people, you know, um, safe and risk the, minimize the risk and the hazards. And I guess heart attacks do happen mm. occasionally. And I guess, therefore, that's when we jump in, so, or we are there anyway to minimize risk. But also, if someone has a heart attack or a stroke or whatever that we are, basically, you know, we see this thing, you know, get in as quick as possible. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, more to, you know, minimize the risk and harm and the code browns. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Do you still want to hear the procedure about the code browns? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we get the people out <laughs> and then we scoop the as much as we can of the poop out and then depends on the size whatever we definitely have to clear the pool 100% that you have to get out of the whole pool and we shut it all down chlorinate it depends on the size and how bad and then put the vacuum in and shut it for the day or yeah it depends on size <laughs> shut it for the, day, the, the size so, of the poo no, yeah, so um, we have two pools now. We have a new sports facility in Monica, and um, which is an upgrade from the old pool. We have now a 50-meter uh, – sorry, I wish we had a 50. No, we have a 25-meter lane pool, lab pool, and we have a learner's pool. So mainly these things happen in the learner's pool when we had swimming lessons or even – or any. you know, it, it's hard to – and I get it. It's sometimes hard when they're so excited. That, you know, like it just happens. Kids, yeah. But um, we only close the little pool because – they're all in separate tanks, mm. so they don't mingle with each other. And we also have a spa. So all these other two pools, they stay open. And usually what we do, we move the lessons from the learner's pool, which is much warmer water, into the cold lab pool. So they can carry on. And if they don't want, they get their lesson usually, you know, reimbursed. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then, yeah, depends on the size and how, yeah, that's that's quite, you know, a quick fix. Kind of. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. I was always curious. It's like, do oh, they yeah. drain the whole pool? Is it oh, shut for the day? Or? It did more, more but like, I grew up in Germany and, you know, every summer we went to the outdoors pools or even indoor pools. And I can't remember a single day that the pool was ever shut for cold brown. It's like, what happened back in the days? <laughs> like, did they just <laughs> ignore it or did they not have the tools or the... Just the, scoop it out yeah. and move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but we have... It seems like sometimes a seasonal thing or period where there's month and month nothing. Funny that we talk about uh, cold browns now, but, you know, and then you have one every week or one every day and it's like, 
um, a few years ago, we had this weekly poopo. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Every week on a Thursday afternoon, we had a poop, sort of different, same lane, different spots. So I got quite um, intrigued in figuring out who the pooper was, and I found the pooper. Oh, my God, really? Was it intentional or accidental? Um, I think he thought it was just funny. Yeah, intentional, yeah. But his mom was very embarrassed. Like, how, how old was the kid? I, oh, God. He was quite old. Like for the age, he was actually not just a toddler anymore. But yeah, um, I don't know why. Yeah, but he admitted that he did that. Yeah, and I did say to Ma, his mom, I looked her in the eyes. I said, "I'm not saying it's your son, but you know, because they get so wired up, and then yeah. they're like, Whoa, why is it closed?'" It's like, "I'm not the parents. Sorry, not that I want to, you know." But it's like, "Isn't that your job to educate the kids? Like, not to poop in the pool?" And I just looked at her like. Little, not Johnny, but you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say Johnny was like, isn't it your job to, to, you know, like, it's so funny, a serial pooper. Did he get a lifetime ban? No. And it, that's actually not the, you know, she did take him out, which is the wrong thing to do. Like he should have just given him some consequences that he can't come or that he can't play after the lesson, you know, rather than take him out of the lessons. Like, no, he just. Just give him to the lesson so he learns his purpose, like the swimming. Mm. He obviously needs to learn how to swim. But then, right, now he got the consequence because you've been pooping every Thursday into the pool. <laughs> you can't play after this. We're going to go straight. You know, that's how I would have felt rather than, you know, of course she was embarrassed, but it was nice that she actually emailed us and I'm so sorry. You know, like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, there's one other thing that you've been involved with recently, and um, I, I completely missed this until I started preparing for this chat but there's um a tv show a reality tv show on tv3 called tracked with vinnie jones and you were on this yeah it was sort of like a i don't know how you'd describe it maybe it's sort of like um survivor versus like like bear grills man versus wild or something how would you describe tracked yeah i've never watched anything of bear grills i always know about him or the name you know but, um uh tracked so i guess it's um a team of group of people like there were eight teams in a pair, two of them, like sorry, two in a pair, they get released in the beautiful, you know, countryside of New Zealand, and you have a map, and on the map there's a evacuation, um, and sorry, an extraction point you need to get to. Usually, the episode, like, the shoot was for two, three days, um, so you had to make your way from where they drop you off to the, that extraction point in those two, three days. But what they also did, of course, it's where the name comes from, Tracked. They released the set of trackers behind you. Um, like SAS you. Army. Yes, I, of, yes yeah. some really high-tech, you know, like well-experienced um, special force. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty good guys to, you know, to, to find you, to track you, track you down. Yes, yeah, so you only have like a one-hour head start. Yeah, right? I don't know. I think it was roughly an hour, but yeah. usually they release you and then you could see the helicopter coming in and uh, I guess the fear kicked in and it was like, ah, let's run. But I guess the whole thing was like, you can't just run. F the aim was not to run from your um, set of point to the extraction point because also the extraction point would only be open, let's say we get released on a Monday and it would open on a Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock till 3.30. <laughs> so you had to be... You know, you had to be, I guess it become. It didn't become a race. It was like you had to be running away from the tracker and leave no marks, kind of, or, you know, hardly any marks. And how do you move around this terrain, which was um, like a little um, hamster, you know, like you only had, 
you had boundaries, so you were only allowed to play in this area. I guess the main thing was to hover around and try not to get tracked till mm. you make it to that evacuation point. But what they also did, I guess, to spy things up and make it a bit more interesting, they gave us tasks like we had to collect some tri marks. They were these silver big tri marks. And they had sort of an, not an advantage, but they kind of played an advantage when you made it into the following episode when you get, didn't get tracked. Anyhow, um, then they also had these control boxes. They are red and green, which they are like the size of, you know, a little, um, what, um, these, what is, uh, these, um, lunch boxes, you oh, know, yeah. for the kids. They take to kindergarten. That's like a sistema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and ever, have you ever done a Rogaine or an orienteering where you see those big orange flags? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they are big bright, right. you know. And imagine finding this little tiny lunchbox in the tassig. <laughs> so, you know, your nav had to be so spot on, you know, like quite good. Yeah. But I, I was so lucky to have my good friend and teammate, um, Emily Wilson, with me in that show. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. We were both lucky to have each other. <laughs> but anyway, so in these control boxes, they had a snitch card in it. And that became really good fun because you, when you collect the control, when you found the control box and it had a snitch card in it, that became um, an advantage. And you could use them either to give the location of the trackers away, so you knew where they were, you know, it depends on, based on your movement you were doing, or you could snitch, uh, put another team on a handbrake to stand down or give their location away. Mm. So it was really cool. Just a, another unique. Uh, add on to the game if that makes sense you know it wasn't mm. just hide and seek it was like yeah it was a game between us all you know yeah yeah and, and it was hosted by uh, Vinnie, Vinnie Jones did you have much to do with him or was he just like dropped off to send you guys on your way and um, we yeah we didn't have too much to do with him I guess he was the main the main actor you know maybe the main host here the main host and we usually he was there right at the start I don't think he was at the finish. I think he's only at the finish when the boys went. Oh, I shouldn't say. It's it. uh, oh, no. as, I, as I said, I, I watch a fair bit of reality TV, and I think I know what's going on. But I, I hadn't heard of this show. Yeah. When, when was it on TV? Was it early twenty twenty three? June, July. Right. You can still watch it. You go on ends. Um, yeah, this is how I watched it on TV demand. three on demand. Yeah, yeah. So did you? Did you have many? When it was broadcast, did you have many people come up to you on the street and say, oh, I recognize you from yeah, Tract? Not, not so much in Wanaka, yeah. more in Christchurch. It was quite funny. I was running and they're like, huh? they, I guess they recognize sort of the hairdo. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, not, I don't know, not too yeah. overwhelming. I think Emily had quite a few. Yeah. But but um, we didn't come. So we came in as the threat, me and Emily. So it was actually quite funny because when we applied for the show, um, we just applied. We were like, reality TV show, how funny would that be? And I was like, oh, why not? Let's just do that. So we put the, the application in, which we did on a Monday night. You know, just like, yeah, you know, you have to film yourself and talk to the camera, which is not our greatest thing. But anyway, we did. And we're like, oh, let's just, you know, like, what could possibly, you know, go wrong or what could happen that we get in. We had no hopes, really. <laughs> it was like, just do it. And then within less than 12 hours, on a mon and Tuesday morning at 8, we got an email from the lady that was selecting the team. It's like, right, can you guys be on a call in now with, with some other, you know, with the producer, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, that was it. And then the ball just keep rolling and then they're like, oh. So we were kind of, we had all these tests with the psychology and other things. 
um, and health and blah, blah. And it seems to be that we're in and they're like, oh, we do the finalizing in January. And then we didn't hear from them. And then, you know, we were busy doing the coast. And then after the coast, we're like, okay, we're making new plans for this year. It's like, we emailed them back and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, we didn't, we dropped you guys because we changed the agenda. And we're like, okay, nice, uh, good that you guys tell us or something, you know. <laughs> anyway, and then I said to Emily, you know what, I bet you they're going to call us back last minute because we are in the country. We can, we, they knew how flexible we are with work. So we can literally drop the pin and be there, you know, mm. 24 hours if we have to. And we can have as much time of it. You know how it is actually quite hard because, you can't. Just, you know, who can leave work and say, "Oh, I might be back in six weeks," or if I get caught, I'll be back next week. You know, like it was really hard to. You'd need you know? a very understanding employer. Yeah. That's for sure. yeah. So anyway, I was like not fuming, but I was like uh, kind of laughing. It's like I get. I bet you they're gonna call us back because of COVID, and then also because it's an international thing. So they had four international teams and four Kiwi teams, um, and I said, "Look, those." teams from overseas they will be flabbergasted like not flabbergasted they will be like mind blown and they will actually have a hard time to um to do this properly like and they would have to do so much add-on work whatever which us which is out there we ride in the element like you don't have to worry about us like we like an easy catch for them and anyway that's what happened in may we got this lovely email hello (laughs) do you guys still want to be on the show (laughs) And you, you did you did really well. Um, yeah. you, you finished in second place. You seemed gutted, by the way, when you got caught. Um, so you didn't win the hundred thousand dollar prize. What, what did you and Emily want the hundred thousand dollar prize for? You wanted to set up a business. Oh, you know, any money is good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I know you can talk it high up, or you can talk it down. It's like, oh, it's only hundred grand fifty each, and you pay tax. Oh, it's actually not that much, you know. But then yeah. it's like, for me, it would be, you know, even for Emily, it's like, wow, we could do so much. Yeah, we started the business which is called Level Up, um, where we do clinics for all sorts of, not just women, like any human being to upskill their, not upskill, but sort of, um, you know, like um, teaching more life, I call it, I guess, life skills, taking them out into nature, learning how to nave and be more self-sufficient and trusting themselves and, you know, like being brave doing certain things they were probably scared to do before or getting ready for a race or an adventure race or like the coast or and men, you know mentoring them through them and yeah mm. passing on the skills we learned because we had so much support and input from other amazing humans and we just want to kind of give back pass oh, on the knowledge yeah. Yeah, have, have you have you launched this have you started this oh the, yeah that's launched a few years ago all right, <laughs> but right. we are a bit um i guess still so driven with our own little yeah. um goals and you know so busy because we both have such a busy lifestyle um that i just what i do now currently i just i um just started coaching so i don't you know emily can do her thing and Mm. when we have time fit together then we can do more clinics and when it's all right at the time and for now what i offer myself i i i started coaching um and mentoring, so yeah, that's and I can just do this myself, so I don't have to, you know, yeah. rely on anyone. Yeah, I think that th- that'd be a great <laughs> business for you guys to sink your teeth into when your competitive oh. years are over, because you're both fantastic role models. Oh, thank so, you. So yeah, we've we've heard about your journey, and um, Emily, yeah, she's type one diabetic. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. got a, a lot to give. Oh, she's such an amazing human and just mm. inspiration. I think it's like 
for diabetes like i didn't even know why diabetes new zealand diabetes would i use it as a you know in sponsor or help her more with is anything because she's mm. such a great role model for anybody you know like mm. Kids, especially with diabetes, or moms and dads, and just even people themselves with diabetes, because she's really she's living it. Mm. There's no excuse for Emily. <laughs> yeah. She's she's like not that she's like oh my my you know ticking like not running away you know not not thinking like I'm gonna die anytime soon. But she's like she's really like getting it all in as much as she can, and I think it's fantastic to, there's no excuse, you know, like, she's not, just because I have diabetes, and I'm labeled, it's like, no, I can do this, you know, like, and yeah, she's not letting it stand in the way, yeah, and it's probably, I don't know, similar to people who have a tough time, or when they go through, it's like, oh, oops, sorry, That's but, right. you know, it's like, man, some people, they have a certain condition, or I was mm. listening to podcasts last night about, um, what's her name? Sophie is it Pascal the Oh Sophie Pascal the swimmer, yeah. 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 And then when you interviewed Chaz Day. Chaz Day, yeah. Yeah. Um, incredible. Like you know, like mm. they live with they've lived with this every day, you know, and just how they overcome these things. Like that's where I sometimes like, Wow man, I know it's all I shouldn't put these things together, but it does sometimes. I know when you in the deepest hole sometimes I think they don't matter and I get that mm. because then I don't I feel like oh yeah whatever it doesn't touch me but now I'm like man it's incredible so they do they they inspire me you know mm. like yeah they're really inspiring like, oh, and, and you're, you're going to inspire people as well like with this chat yeah one thing one thing I've got from this podcast another thing is that um, everyone goes through some sort of adversity mm. everyone's dealing with uh, some sort of shit in their life yeah. um, and it's a, just amazing what the human is capable of doing mm. um, and getting past so we've got um, Coast to Coast 2024 coming up. Um, fuck, there's so much pressure on you for that. Um, I suppose expectation of other people, but also internal pressure. Um, and then what? What after that? Going <sighs> to hang the hang the hang the canoe up? No. What are you? Well, ideally, it was the plan last year to to call this my last one, and I. I think I mentioned before because I feel like I ticked all the books, you yeah, know, like, yeah. and that was really rewarding. It's like it's nice when you can kind of can finish on a high. So, and I guess it's where I put another pre- bit of pressure on myself, which I don't know how it's gonna go. I I hope to, of course, I want to win, and I I know there's there's an amazing deep field out, an amazing women out there. They could all probably five win the coast, you know, mm. um, very capable winning the coast this year. It would be nice for me to do or to send it off but um yeah this year when i thought that's it um i got pregnant but it didn't happen you know i missed i lost it and then i thought ah damn (laughs) and then i thought oh let's try this again but then because you're in so um how do you say um Oh, it's such a mind fuck. <laughs> it's yeah. awful. You know, yeah. I can understand when people say, Oh, first I thought, Oh, why is it so hard? It's like, I understand now why it's so hard when they lose a, yeah. a you know, like a, um, have a miscarriage. And it's like, I guess I just drowned up my sorrows, jumping back into what I know and what I'm good at. So I just jumped back straight into racing. And then I was, Oh, China came back up and I just pushed it all aside. And I was like, Ah, oh, God, <laughs> another mm. year. So I know I'm old too, but who knows? We're just gonna see what happened, but ideally, if that not it's that not happen, if that's not happening, and if it's not help, you know, like if it's not a healthy normal process, whatever, um, that's fine. I'm t- good terms with that. But I, what I really like to do, 
And that's what I thought this year too. Even on the last final bike ride, we're like, I can't wait to be and support someone on this race, <laughs> or even do it in a tandem, you know, and go together yeah. where you have a lot more fun. You can chit chat, or maybe not, <laughs> but you know, you share it and you just help. Some, you know, you mentor someone through. That would be cool to do a school, you know, do mm. with someone and mentor them through it, and just give back, you know, and um, invest a bit more. Like, yeah, that would be cool. Mm. And regardless what happened with a human or not, um, maybe you can cut this out. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, a lot more goals out there. Like, yeah, I just want to do more other things and just have time to be to do other things again, going to the hills. Because right now, all I do, all I do is I, I still work. I just I work at the campground in Wanaka, which just opened at the weekend. Um, so that's going to be quite a a balancing act which I haven't done last year but I'm sure we can all work it out with my employer to get mm. it you know to get the balance right of yeah they're pretty pretty cool which I did think and said like, oh my god what did I sign up for <laughs> I was like oh my god but I had a lot of play time beforehand so it's like it's okay and I'm yeah. sure with just talking about it and they are super supportive they they want to see me doing well too, you know? yeah absolutely yeah yeah. hey well good luck with what mm. the future brings um, yeah, there's the coast to coast coming up which mm. um, oh, I'm, I'm going to be eagerly watching this and um, hopefully mm. you can pull off the fifth coast to coast win um but whatever happens in the future, yeah, good luck with the family stuff as well. I mm. hope that's um, successful as well. But w- whatever you do, I'm sure you're mm. going to thrive and do well at because you're an amazing person. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you'll you. also be the person that um, that caught the uh, the Wanaka Paul Thursday pooper. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that's another it thing was, for your LinkedIn it was page. Back in the days, yeah, back at, the the old, days. at the old pool. <laughs> yeah. All right, hey, um, Simone Maya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs> On the Dom Harvey podcast. Thanks so much for making it all the way through. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, here's the truth. I love having these conversations with people I'm genuinely interested in learning more about. But ultimately, it's for you. For you guys. If it wasn't, I'd have these conversations without the microphones. <laughs> and that'd be a more intimate affair. So, because it is for you guys, if you ever have any feedback or constructive criticism, uh, guest suggestions, sponsorship inquiries, etc., please do share. You can track me down on Instagram, domharveynz, or email me, domharveynz at gmail.com. And quick favor, if you don't do so already, could you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and even give it a rating or review? Because all that stuff helps grow the podcast. Also, um, all these episodes are available to view on YouTube. So if you have a YouTube account, um, maybe subscribe to my channel. That would be so good. Okay, favor's over. Just before we go, this episode was made entirely possible by the team at Radix. Radix sponsors Simone and took care of all her travel arrangements for this chat, which I do appreciate. Simone is one of the elite sports community who have known about Radix and their stuff for years. It's only now that us regular people are learning about this incredible Kiwi creation from Hamilton. Protein powders, smoothie recovery powders, and the best freeze-dried meals in the world. Honestly, their breakfast, the V9 range, are to die for. They're that good. If you want 2024 to be the year you bring your health and fitness goals to life, Radix can help. Check them out at radixnutrition.co.nz. Radix is spelled R-A-D-I-X. Elephant in the room, this is an ad, 
and ratings are paying me to say nice things about them. But I honestly mean what I say. I was a fan before they sponsored the podcast, and I will be a fan for life. Their products simply are the best. Radix, R-A-D-I-X. Check them out. Okay, that'll do us. Housekeeping over. Thank you very much for joining me on the Dom Harvey podcast, and I do hope to see you next time. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.